Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 106 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with you in Ice District at Rogers Place, which tonight will be hosting the Iron and Frost Gala. That is where we met Rob Kinsey, who uh, is with Canadian Power Pack, and uh, they are the sponsor for our first guest in the second hour. Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's uh, leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. This is the second hour of Orders Now. Orders Now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Trusted by 630 Chad, Hugh Porter, and Digitex. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. Each week, Canadian Power Pack. Brings you Brian Burke. That's where we're going next on a River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Hello, Brian. How are you? Good. How are you, Bob? I'm looking forward to it. Uh, look, we have a, a big community event tonight uh, with the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. Uh, I know this is something in your variety of roles in the, in the National Hockey League, whether you were in Hartford or uh, Vancouver, Anaheim, uh, Toronto, or Calgary. You were a, a big supporter in uh, and, and I don't think it was the toughest sell getting your players in those markets involved in, in supporting community initiatives, was it? Well, it was never optional for me. It was uh, when I got into the business, I thought, you know, what what guides my life and what am I going to do? How am I going to do this job? And basically, I came up with three pillars. And the one was to run it like a business. And everyone say, well, of course you run it like a business. Well, unfortunately, as you know, Bob, many teams are not run like a business. Uh, owners make very poor decisions because of ego, and so uh, that was number one. Number two is to play an entertaining style. My teams have always, always traded chances, always fought, um, been physical. And third was community service. So I tell the players at the start of the year, it's not optional. If you're asked to do something and you refuse, you will be traded somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll set the example for you. Everything I ask you to do, I'll do two or three things. That's awesome. If you don't do it, so not naming any names, did you ever trade a guy because of it, or because my experience with the players, and I do, uh, you know, not surprise you, you know, several events a year, 
is they're pretty engaging and willing to, for, for a lot of them, it becomes a really rewarding thing. We are blessed in our game, absolutely blessed in our game, that um, our, our players are so committed to that pattern, that model. Uh, we, we're, we have the classiest, nicest athletes in pro sports, and, and the toughest. These guys play through injuries that other athletes wouldn't dream of. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just on that front, P.K. Subban has been placed on IR uh, with an upper body issue. Uh, this in the heels of Arvidsson being knocked out for six weeks. Uh, all right, you said something about playing an entertaining style. And, uh, hey, I'm all, I, Brian, I grew up watching the Edmonton Oilers of the 1980s. That team had more style and panache and toughness than any team in NHL history. They could play it any way you want. They could outscore you, and if you had to throw down, they could outfight you too. So, uh a hundred percent behind that, and uh, you know it, we've seen a bit of a move, certainly in terms of the physicality end of it. But uh, can you actually trade chances and win in today's NHL? Well, I think you know the, the model that we won with in Anaheim was a straight top six, bottom six, no questions asked. All the skill was concentrated in the top six. Bottom six were all good at very specific jobs, and that's where our toughness came from. And we had. You know, two Hall of Fame defensemen, which didn't hurt. Right. So I, th- I think you can trade chances, and to, in, in the current league, the answer is yes. I think you can. What you can't trade are quality chances, unless unless you want to win seven to six every night. So I watch a coach interviewed sometimes, and he'll say, "Well, we were great tonight. We only allowed two chances after the second period." I'm like, "Well, how do you think the guy who bought a ticket to that game feels? He saw two chances after the second period." Well, he's going to rush right back, isn't he? So I told our coach, I don't want to see an interview like that. I don't mind if, if we trade chances. We each have 10, as long as we have the better quality and as long as we score more than they do. So I never had a goalie win the Vesna, but uh, my teams were entertaining. You remember in the glory days when we were a 100-point team in Vancouver, Bob. Yep. We, we had a good three or 4,000 fans in, in, uh, in Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah. People liked our team. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, I would, and again, I think that Vancouver supplanted Calgary as the Oilers' chief rival, especially when they had guys like, you know, Burroughs and uh, uh, Lapierre, who were agitators. The, the other guy that kind of ran the Oilers. Show, I mean, Kessler. You know, I've I've done lots of events with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he would say that's been his most difficult matchup. And I didn't like it because you know Kessler tried intimidating Nugent Hopkins, but he was an eighteen-year-old kid. I'd have just stuck him right in the you know what if I was like seriously, I was always frustrated that the Oilers didn't have the compensatory response line, but the other guy was Bieksa because he could he could fight up weight class because he could really chuck him and he was an intimidating guy to, uh, he had the Oilers number there for a while so they had well, a bit... he had he had calories too he had a lot of <laughs> a lot of numbers both in Vancouver and in Anaheim yeah absolutely. And, um, and you heard the story of how he got signed right go for it Okay, I think your listeners will like this one. So, Bieksa, I drafted Bieksa. He went to Bowling Green. And when he finished his fourth year, I wasn't sure I wanted to sign him. So, we had him come into the Manitoba Moose was our farm team. We had him come into Winnipeg on an ATO, an amateur tryout agreement. So, his first night there we played, he did not play. He was in the bar at Earl's afterwards. And a little disturbance developed. So, I get a call from Steve Tamalini the next morning. (laughs) <laughs> and I looked at the game sheet before I, I looked at the game sheet before I went to bed. No match penalties, no game misconducts. So Tamby calls me and he says uh, we had a problem in in the peg last night. 
I, so I looked at the game sheet. It was fine. He said, no, we had a problem after the game. I said, oh, no, tell me the guys didn't fight downstairs. Sometimes the player get ejected and run down the hallway. I know the story. I know the story. Yep. 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 So he said, uh, no, no, better than that. I said, one of our guys didn't hit an official. He said, no. <laughs> I said, did one of our guys hit a fan? No, better than that. And I said, well, I'm running out of ideas. He said, two of our players fought at the bar after the game. And I said, you're kidding me. And he, he goes, no, I wish I was kidding. Two of our players fought at the end of the game, after the game, at the bar. So I said, well, who fought? He said, Fedorov and Bieksa. Yeah. I said, I said, Bieksa, what's he doing getting in a fight? He's here on a tryout agreement. And what's Fedorov doing fighting a teammate? Because we didn't have much in common, me and Sergei Fedorov, but Fedor Fedorov yes. was a great kid. He was a great kid. So what happens is Bieksa is in the bar, and he threw a like a little straw, the straw you used to mix your cocktail with over his shoulder. And it landed on a table where Fedorov was sitting with Kirill Koltsov. <laughs> so Fedorov jumps up. He goes, what are you doing, rookie? And BX is a good kid. He said, hey, I'm sorry. I'll buy you a beer. He said, no, we're going outside. So BX turns to Dallas Eakins, who was our captain, and a wonderful human being. And he said, what should I do? He said, you should go out in the parking lot and kick his ass. Now, mind you, BX is 190 pounds. Fedor Fedorov is about 225, 230. Yeah. So they go out in the parking lot. And Juice, we all call Kevin Juice. And it's because he looks like he's on the juice. He's so ripped, mus- yep. muscular, but he's never, he's a health food freak. He's never done steroids in his life, but that's a great nickname, Juice. So Juice goes out, hits him once, cuts him wide open, knocks him cold, comes back in. Dallas Eakins doesn't even go outside to watch the fight. He knows what's going to happen. So he comes back in, and BX is like, oh, my God, I got in a fight with a teammate. Berkey's going to send me home tomorrow. And he said, you don't know our boss. He said, Berkey's going to sign you tomorrow. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> we did. That's how we got his contract. Now, now, Brian, just as you brought up Fedor Fedorov, was there not another Fedor Fedorov story involving, was it Neil McRae in Vancouver over the air one time? I that doesn't leap to mind. Okay. Be... All right. All right. I, I, I thought that somebody had used a disparaging term and you decided to educate uh, the uh, the broadcast wizard. I, somebody had told me a story along that lines one time. Maybe it was embellished. Uh, no, it probably happened. It probably happened. Now, in your role as a manager, did you uh, – because there's some managers that, you know, don't engage a lot with the media. Um, did, did you ever educate a guy? on a different perspective on things once in a while? Oh, routinely. <laughs> all, all of the fights I got in in the media, though, like like people always think, you know, he's a hot-tempered Irishman, he's got a thin skin. All of the fights I got in in the media were backing up my players. Right. I didn't care. I didn't care what people wrote or said about me, except as it affected team performance. So, for example, uh, I was in Afghanistan visiting the Canadian soldiers and... I was criticized by one imbecile in, in Toronto who said I should have stuck around and signed Brad Richards. And I was at July 1st, it was Canada Day. I, I remember, yes. And so, yeah, I really I really wish we'd signed Brad Richards. The, the Rangers signed him for $63 million. And bought him out. <laughs> They're still paying him on the buyout, I think. Um, so anyway, so I, I went after him, and that was directly related to me. But the reason I went after him is I thought it related to my performance as the GM. I didn't care about personal criticism. So, yeah, the, Neil McRae, another guy, called the Sedins, the Sedin sisters. And I went on the air. I said, if you ever refer to them that way on this radio station again, 
not only will I never appear on this radio station again, but none of our players will. And that was the end of it. And those guys, we've talked this before, they were tough because they never altered their game. They took the abuse. Brian Burt joining us, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Power Pack. Brian, the as a manager, how would you wait? So the Oilers have had, I don't like using the term, but, you know, some would say a schizophrenic up and down, up and all over the map. Not very good first two games, then 8-2-1 and one in the next 11. Then they lose four in a row, which is great for a hockey radio show, but not necessarily great in terms of if you're trying to, you know, have consistency in your game. As a manager, how do you handle that scenario to make sure that you don't get caught up in the wild swings of emotion? Well, first off, I'll answer the question. Let me turn back to they're one point out of a wild card spot right now, the Oilers are. Yep. And I don't I don't think there are too many experts like me in the media that would have predicted that. So it's not that, that great run they went on after a poor start really left them in a good spot for a small slump. They got a nice break going now. I talked to Peter Shirelli yesterday or we texted each other. I'm always careful. I don't want to I want to give you the impression I spoke to him, even though we exchanged texts. And he he feels so far this year their compete level and their you know their competitive level is up from last year. I believe that. I agree with that. And he thinks that the changes in assistant coaches is there's probably a better meshing or a better fit up top. Not not criticizing the guys who were there last right. year. And he was emphatic about that. He said, "I love the guys we had, but there seems to be a better synergy." with the head coach and the assistant coaches. So, you know, I think I like the way this team's played. I like the position they're in. Um, the question is, that as we talked about at the start, Bob, the defense. So to go right. back to your question, the, when a team goes through swings like that, and some teams do, some teams are models of consistency, and some teams drive you nuts. And all you do is you try and put the brakes on when the team's going through the skid, be around your team, talk to people, avoid panic. Don't let a three-game skid turn into a five-game skid. But otherwise, you just ride the roller coaster in your heart with your heart in your mouth like everybody else. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So let's say you got a struggling prospect. How do you continue to drive valuation in that pro? And I don't want necessarily want to circle back to Paul Yarvey, but at the end of the day, the owners got a third-round pick for uh, Neil Yakupov, who. Again, in his draft year at that time in 2012, and you were still with the Leafs then, you guys got Riley um, but because uh, he, he went fifth. And I think Mac T liked Riley because Stu McGregor, who was my, my head coach uh, gr- growing up in Edmonton, the south side, was the Oilers at scout. And I don't think the Oilers had Riley quite as high as a couple of the other D. But, you know, Yakupov, consensus number one, but valuation dropped the longer he was in Edmonton. What is there anything a manager can do to ensure that you retain the valuation in a in a good young? Do you have to make the decision quickly if you're going to move him? No. First off, let's talk about Puyu Yarvi. You're being polite, Bob, but the fact is, um, we all had Puyu Yarvi right where Edmonton took him, and that doesn't mean that Edmonton made a good choice. It means that 30 teams had Jesse Puyu Yarvi right where Edmonton took him. No, I, I won't say the same about Yakupov. We didn't have Yakupov anywhere near the top. Okay. In fact, it was one of the worst draft interviews. we that The worst draft interview I've ever had in my life was Nail Yakupov. He almost got in a fist fight with one of our scouts. So we had him much slower. In fact, we had, we had no interest in drafting him at all. And we had Riley number one in that draft. And I told him that after we picked him. But on Puyo Yarby and Yamamoto, they just sent these guys down. Number one. 
they shouldn't be worried about how it affects their valuation at this point. Right. They're, they're still trying to turn them into players. And I talked to Peter about both players, and he said we're optimistic about both of their futures. And, and again, look at Marcus Nazlin, look at the Sedins. These are guys who didn't produce anything until their third or fourth year. So you give up on a European prospect at your peril. Right. Because a lot of these guys, it's a different language. It's a different country. It's the American Hockey League. It's a grind. The travel's tough. These are all new things to a Euro. And so, to me, this is exactly the right thing. Send them down. And you're not, when, you, when you send them down, you're not saying to yourself, geez, he was a fifth overall or fourth overall pick. We're driving down the value. Is you got to get him to be an NHL player before he has any real value. Uh, so Yakupov, I, I, I think Peter, I think Shirelli did a great job on that trade. Well, he also the one thing that occurred when Peter made that move is he created the space so he could sign Chris Russell because the yeah. two moves coincided. He traded Yak and signed Russell that day because the Oilers uh, did not have a lot of cap flexibility. They needed to Yak was making two and a half and they signed Russell at three point one. And that was yeah, really, well, I know. I mean, they t- you took him from us, the bastard. <laughs> Brian Burke joining us. Bob Stoffer with you. Uh, Brian for Canadian uh, uh, Power Pack. Brian, I'm going to leave you with this because, you know, you're an honest, upfront, direct guy. Uh, you know, we're roughly of the same vintage, and I, I got hammered on growing up as a kid, right, because I was a bigger kid that was expected to play a certain way. And it was and, – and some people get tired of hearing about this, but I think we really do teach kids differently today, communicate to kids differently and just the the constant reinforcement from a positive perspective as opposed to a negative one it do you have to do coaches have to talk to players differently today than they did even 5 years ago or 7 years ago yes and and we're losing a little something with these guys the millennials are different you have to explain everything to them so the canadian military is going through the same adjustment world war 2 Major pointed up the hill and said, take that hill. Guys ran up the hill. Now you've got to explain to them why the hill is important, how many men will be involved in the attack, what the expected casualty rate is, and what they'll do once they capture the hill. And then you get some buy-in. So you've got to explain way more to these guys. Um, they're not as tough as our generation was, but they're sure plenty tough. Yep. Um, they're still the best in pro sports, but the they gap gets reduced every year. They get a little harder to deal with every year, but they're still awesome. Awesome stuff. Brian, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us here in Oilers Now. Thanks, Bob. All right. That's Brian Burke uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. And uh, you can, uh, I can tell Brian Burke like Chris Russell. <laughs> we'll take a quick time out. This is Oilers Now. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's 126 in Edmonton. Some guests on the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cooked Right at Your Table, Japanese Village, Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. Don and the staff at Japanese Village do a great job. Just had Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar as we go to our heartland ford text line think all dealerships are the same think again experience buying a vehicle on your terms with no pressure at heartland ford out in fort saskatchewan here we go 
Holy crap, I hate to sound like a broken record, says Jack, but Brian Burke is a fantastic guest. Colin texts the show from Edmonton. Brian Burke is great radio. He has been a huge get, Bob, for Oilers now. Mitch has texted the show from Edmonton. Big fan of your Brian Burke segments. Um this uh, text comes in saying, out of Edmonton, Bob Burke has become one of my favorite radio hits of the week. He and uh, Elliot Friedman are top notch. Uh, this is Steve from Edmonton. Brian Burke is pure gold. I love the new Thursday Orders Now show. Brian Burke is the best interview personality going. Brent from Edmonton. Bob, whatever you're paying Berkey to be on the show, you need to double it. Uh this one from Sledhead, killer segment with Brian Burke. There you go. Uh, and there's literally Nick, another one. Brian Burke has supplanted Elliot as your best weekly interview. Uh, so we got people that love Craig Simpson, people that loved Louis DeBrus, John Shannon. Uh, but Brian Burke's having some fun. Oh, that was funny. What, what did he say? He dropped a, yeah, a B-bomb on the air regarding the order signing Chris Russell. That was funny. Funny, funny stuff. And and in Brian's world, he said Peter Shirelli did great getting a third rounder. It was about getting out of the money for the Edmonton Oilers at that time. Created a little bit of wiggle room to sign Chris Russell to a deal, and, and Russell turned out. This is the thing about the Oilers' defense. We haven't really seen it for the last two years because Sekra has been injured. Um, I, I'm going to be intrigued to see where Sekra is at when he's coming back. Uh, it's maybe sometimes after Christmas with that Achilles uh, injury. It's going to be tough for him. I do think in the second half of the season, at some point, we're going to see Caleb Jones or Ethan Bear here. More on that coming up with Elliot. Uh, check that uh, with Jay Woodcroft from Bakersfield after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.